conductive wire And you were so electric I had no say when you came so near And just passed right through me Hey everyone, before we dive into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that you can follow Welcome to Geekdom on Instagram at Welcome to Geekdom and on Twitter at Geekdom Pod. There are links to those in the show notes. You can also support the show on Patreon, where I will be releasing bonus content for this podcast and my other podcast, Chat Cemetery. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. There are links to all of those things in the show notes, so be sure to do that. It is a huge help for the show, and I really appreciate it. Now, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Geekdom is Back. I'm your host, Deanna Chapman, and today I am joined by Derek Denny, and we are doing the first character episode on this podcast, so it's a bit of an experiment. Derek, thank you for joining me for this. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. I'm really excited to be here, and Daredevil is one of my favorite characters, and I'm excited to just take some time and just talk about daredevil and why i think he's awesome i figured daredevil would be a good character to start with in the marvel world anyway just because there are so many iconic daredevil runs that we're only going to scratch the surface here and what we're going to do today is we're going to run through some key issues key runs storylines what have you we have a few of those we'll talk about Daredevil on TV and film, and a few other things, and we'll still have recommendations at the end. But for a quick introduction, Daredevil is Matt Murdock, who is a lawyer, but his story starts when he's a kid, and his dad is Battling Jack. He is a boxer working with the Fixer, and Matt runs out into the street to try to save this man who is about to get hit by a truck and there's a spill and Matt loses his eyesight because of the chemicals that get in his eyes. So, you know, his story starts super, super young, but he doesn't really come into his own as Daredevil until much later in his life after he's become a lawyer. Yeah. And and that's one of the things that I love about Daredevil and the way that he's written is that he kind of gets like a personality and his life together first and then becomes a superhero. And and a lot of a lot of Daredevil is trying to balance like being a lawyer and being Matt and then being being Daredevil. But we kind of get to see him learn what it's like to have these powers and we get like his college years where he's roaming around with Electra and doing crazy things, um, jumping around buildings and and whatnot. But it's it's different than what you get in a lot of superhero origins where it's like, oh no, there's this big event that caused powers and now you immediately have to go save the world. He's a little bit more low-key and a little bit slower paced, which is part of the reason why I love Daredevil so much that not everything to do with him is always the world's going to end unless we do this one thing. It's It's kind of a little lower stakes. And it's not like he has powers in the same sense as Peter Parker does or Miles Morales even. Instead, because he goes blind, his other senses are enhanced, obviously probably more than most people who go blind in their life. But they have this, you know, characterization of Daredevil throughout the years that his 
senses are super enhanced, basically. And that's kind of his power. And, you know, to dive on into some of these key comics here. I like to start with first appearances just because you might not want to read all of the 1960s runs or 50s runs of things for some of these characters. But I think Daredevil number one, which came out in April of 1964, does a very nice job of introducing the character and letting us know who sort of the main players are in Daredevil's life. You get Foggy, you get Karen, you get these introductions to sort of this core group of characters that we continue to see throughout the years. And yes, these comics are very wordy. But Derek, what did you think of Daredevil's first appearance? Were you surprised that it was actually a number one instead of introducing, you know, him as like a soft introduction in Spider-Man or something? Yeah, especially because I I feel like in modern day superhero storytelling, most characters make their first appearance somewhere else. And a part of that is because that's the way that Disney does it with the the MCU. Um, But I feel like that's that's blended over into comics. And just in general, a lot of heroes, they make their debut in, in someone else's story to kind of build hype around that character and to to get readers ready um so it was interesting in preparing for and to, preparing for today when i did my r- original research and kind of like read back through the um you know uh, daredevil's first appearance in 1964 it's not that often you see a character like from the moment they appear on the page their their story is all fleshed out and it's more or less the same story i mean Modern retellings might have some toxic goo he falls into, some might, but like other than that, you've got the background with his father. You, like you said, you've got Foggy, you've got Karen, like you've got the, you know, 90% of Daredevil is is the same as it was back then. Although I, I will admit the yellow suit, I'm not that much of a fan of. <laughs> I love most things Daredevil, but, but the yellow, uh, he needs to be black or red. The, the yellow is not quite it for me. Yeah, and they cover his origin story very quickly in that first issue and get straight into him going after the Fixer, which I really enjoyed because at least from my memory when I first started reading like Amazing Fantasy 15 and then starting in with The Amazing Spider-Man, they took a little extra time with Spider-Man's origin story, maybe not in Amazing Fantasy number 15 necessarily, but you didn't have all of the information you needed to know necessarily with Peter. And we're going to go out of chronological order for these comics, actually, because The Man Without Fear came out in 93 and the Born Again storyline happened in the 80s. So we're not going in chronological order here, but it's for a reason because I think The Man Without Fear gives you a little bit of a broader look at Daredevil's life, and it does it in five issues. So again, none of these are super long. You have the first appearance, and you're kind of getting all you need to know in the first issue. The Man Without Fear, you're covering Matt's escapades with Elektra, and you see that it's just packed with so much information about Daredevil in those five issues. And Frank Miller, fantastic writer. And you have David Mazzucchelli, Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right on art with this one. And that team is just, they're so good. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, everything Frank Miller does turns to gold. Um, but but I, I I agree. You you need to talk about the man without fear kind of before you get into anything else because it kind of in a way is kind of like a a soft reset of Daredevil. But it's also like it is the the one thing if you want to learn more about Daredevil, like that is the thing you read first. And even even the modern Daredevil in in what he is now in the comics and. Um, the the Netflix series and then what he may or may not be in the MCU. Like it's, you know, you go back to the man without fear and, and that's who Daredevil is. And again, it's, it's not, um, it's not necessarily a common thing that you can have like one defining comic for a character because, you know, as time goes by, you need to change your characters. You need to evolve. You can't have the same, the same shtick over and over and over again for decades. But for, for Daredevil, some, you know, he's, he's the type of character that who he is, is so complex that there's really not a lot of need to change who he is. Like, okay, maybe, you know, you make a mayor, you know, in the, in the more recent comics um, and you can, you know, you can add in new things that way. But as, as far as his, his origin and as far as who he is and kind of what he stands for and everything about him, um, yeah, there's no need to change it. And the man without fear does it, uh, does it perfectly. And it, it was also kind of, it was exciting going to back and going back and revisiting the man without fear. Cause you can really, really, really tell that when, um, when Netflix sat down to make their daredevil, they basically took the man without fear and split it into two seasons. And that's what those first two seasons are. Yeah. And they maybe played around with the order a little bit too, because we do get quite a bit of Electra in those five issues. But I think this is just one of those iconic series that you can't really not recommend it when you're talking about reading Daredevil comics. And one thing I've noticed is that some of these titles, whether it's Marvel or DC, there's a reason they are iconic and there's a reason they get recommended. And I know some people will try to maybe recommend things that people wouldn't think to read. But I think in this case, that's kind of a disservice because this gives you everything you need to know. And Born Again is another very iconic storyline. And, you know, I read issues 227 to 231. But if you collect the trade, I believe they put in 226 through 233, at least, and consider sort of that all of Born Again as well. But you really only need to read the five issues for that too to sort of get this full story of Karen betraying Matt. And while I don't love the portrayal of Karen in this storyline, it had to be someone who was that close to Matt in order for it to work. Yeah, it's, it's, either, it's either Karen or Foggy. And that's the, it's interesting you mentioned that because when, when the Netflix series was huge, like uh, they, they kind of did their own Born Again storyline, but they left that part out. And I, I was happy about that. Like, I, I feel like, you don't need to take Karen and to give her all these terrible things in her life and make her be the one to sell out Matt. Like what matters is that, you know, he got sold out. They know who he is and how is he going to to deal with that? Yeah, I'm glad they did that that way as well. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But basically, Kingpin is out to make Matt's life a living hell <laughs> in these mm-hmm. issues. And 
the way that Kingpin has always been drawn in the comics. He's just such a massive figure. And obviously, they did the best they could casting Vincent D'Onofrio. <laughs> but no yeah, they, human they, And they, they couldn't have like gotten Kingpin. anyone better. Yeah. Yeah. So you have just these images of like Kingpin in his underwear half the time. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> but it sticks with you. Yeah. And it, it, I mean, like it emphasizes how big and like monstrous of a person he is because like Kingpin is such an interesting villain because I feel like, like growing up watching the, the Spider-Man cartoon, like I always associated Kingpin as a Spider-Man villain and then getting to read more Daredevil and especially, um, you know, in, in Born Again and Man Without Fear and everything else, like kingpin is is it and he's kind of perfect for daredevil because they're both these people who like don't really have powers but also they kind of have powers and also kingpin's never gonna like blow up the world because he wants to control it it's more of like i want to you know i want new york city to be mine and matt being like no that's not how it works and we're gonna punch each other over and over again until one of us loses I think it's great, too, because you have the two facets of Matt's life. You have Matt as a lawyer, and then you have him as Daredevil. So he's going after Kingpin in two different ways. And that's something that Peter Parker wouldn't necessarily be able to do. Like, he could take photos, sure. But in the grand scheme of things, I think Matt has a better chance of defeating kingpin one way or the other because of his profession and you know you brought up that point that kingpin was a spider-man villain and he first appeared in the amazing spider-man number 50 so kingpin appeared in the amazing spider-man number 50 which came out three years after daredevil number one so daredevil already existed when marvel introduced kingpin who was created by stanley and john romita senior so to have him sort of shift and become much more of a daredevil villain, I think is pretty cool because Spider-Man already had a pretty big rogues gallery by 67. Yeah. And just in general, I feel like Spider-Man has the best rogues gallery of villains in all of Marvel. So it's, it's okay if you take just this one and you let him spend some time with, with daredevil because there there's more than enough to keep Spider-Man busy. Absolutely. You know, the Sinister Six alone is <laughs> enough to keep it pretty busy for a while. But of course, yeah. we know there are other villains outside of that. But Derek, is there anything in particular you want to mention about Born Again? I must say, I do love the Maggie portion of the storyline in this. Yeah, it's I love how it how it works in religion, uh, you know, with, with his with with his mother literally being a nun um, and, and religion is, is, is this big thing that kind of comes in and out of Matt's life. Um, and I feel like that's something that a lot of people can relate to. Like I, I can, I, I won't know what it's like to chase down bad guys. I won't know what it's like to, to have all these like heightened abilities or to go through anything, but like I'm a human and I know what it's like to, to like be brought up with faith and to question faith and to kind of question the world around you. And, and that's another aspect of, of Daredevil's character that kind of it's, it's in the background throughout all born again or in the foreground um, in every scene involving um Matt's mother, but it's just it's another way to connect to the character and for for him to kind of question his his own 
beliefs and it's it's there to you know might believe it might not believe it but it's the the kind of the the comfort that it's there when um when he needs it um and also i mean born again is one of those stories to where you know it's it's been around for a very long time so i'm not super worried about spoiling things but it's there are some like unexpected appearances that i remember just reading born again the first time we're like oh snap like this is a big enough problem that captain america is going to get involved like this is this is cool because i'm always a i'm always a sucker for any sort of crossover thing um and i remember i remember reading born again for the first time um and and when we see captain america show up and do some stuff it's like oh this is this is awesome this is even more cool than i ever never expected or thought um I also just in because I'm I'm holding it right here in my hand as I flip back through. I've always been a bigger fan of this artistic style than I am um, and what we get in in current modern day comics. Um, I don't need my comics to look as realistic as possible. Like I love I I prefer the the 80s style a lot more. Where um, I don't know it for lack of a better word, like it looks more comic-y and that's always something that I've always been drawn to. And then, as you mentioned, lots of shots of Kingpin in his underwear. So like there's a little <laughs> bit of, is a little bit for everyone. Yeah. And I have a quick correction. I said David Mazzucchelli was on The Man Without Fear. He was on Born Again. John Romita Jr. was on The Man Without Fear. So that is my bad. They're both, you know, very good storylines. And <laughs> sometimes I get yes. artists confused because... Both fantastic artists, but, you know, just a quick correction there in case anyone started yelling at me while they were listening to this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And very, very unique as well. Like, it's, like you pick up uh, The Man Without Fear and it's drawn in a style that, that like it looks like it could be a comic in, in 2021 or 2022 when this episode comes out. Yeah. And I just really want to dive into more Daredevil comics after doing this and I also want to give a quick shout out to Anne Nascenti, who, after Frank Miller, became one of the writers to write on Daredevil the longest. And I believe she was on not too long after Born Again. If I'm not mistaken, it was like issue 238 to 290 something. So she was on it for quite a few years. Yeah, that's a that's a huge run. Yeah. Then you have, you know, Brian Michael Bendis coming in and doing a Daredevil run. Kevin Smith has done <laughs> a Daredevil run. Yeah, he has. <sighs> and I don't know if I would necessarily put Kevin Smith up there with some of those other names, despite how much I enjoy his musings on all things Marvel and pop culture, but so many amazing and talented writers and artists have been on Daredevil that it was kind of hard for me to just sort of pick these three as sort of the key comics to check out because I was like, yeah, there's two Frank Miller ones, but there's a reason there's two Frank Miller ones. Yeah. I I, I mean, because that's even for, for someone who's kind of just like casually into comics, I feel like Frank Miller, you've got, you know, obviously Stanley at the top and then Frank Miller is in that, like that second step down of, oh, this is a name that I feel like a lot of people will recognize because he's been, he's been everywhere. He's been on both sides. He's been on his own independent side and everything he creates is, 
is amazing. Um, I will also just going back to Kevin Smith real quick. I am the biggest Kevin Smith fan I know. And I appreciate <laughs> that his stories are always unique. And he has a very, very unique and special perspective that he, he brings to his characters. But I, I kind of feel like with Daredevil, he is a character that attracts so many people because he's kind of got his own little like his own little niche where like he's in, he's in the Marvel universe, he's in New York city. And just because he's a New York based character, he can always interact with a whole host of other characters and uh, heroes and villains. But also he is one of the most DC esque Marvel characters because like when it comes down to it, he's a dude on the street punching bad guys in the face and you know, give him a few billion dollars and he's Batman. Yeah. Like it's, it's not that far off. And I feel like for me, that's, that's, that's one, one of the biggest reasons why I've always loved Daredevil so much is because like Batman was my first ever superhero because I grew up on the old sixties Adam West Batman. And so you going over to Daredevil, it's like, Oh, he's Batman, (laughs) but like without the money and the gadgets and with a better, like moral consciousness. And he actually goes to his day job. Yes. 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 That's that's big. And he does the impressive thing of making people like side with a lawyer. Yeah, that is pretty impressive. It's like him and Jen Walters. <laughs> I can't think of anyone else who can do that. Yes. I my I say that my brother is a lawyer and one of my best friends is a lawyer. And I'm sure together <laughs> they also make a good person. Yeah. So definitely a lot of Daredevil runs that are worth checking out, but those three are sort of a very, very good starting point, in my opinion, at least. And I know Chip Zdarsky is doing a lot of Daredevil stuff right now, which I have yet to check out, but he does some wild stuff. So I think I should check that out soon. Yeah. And I, I feel like, especially with with kind of modern day comics, like because because Marvel movies are so huge right now. Um, I feel like that's created a lot of opportunity for the author, for for comic authors to kind of experiment and take their stories in different directions. Cause it's kind of like the film side of Marvel has been like, okay, we're going to take like these, these stories that we've told over and over again, and these defined versions of the characters. And we're going to build our cinematic universe around like the more of the textbook definition of a character. Whereas in the comics, They've got the time and the opportunity to kind of just make their own little unique stories and do things that you have wouldn't otherwise see. Like, for example, I mentioned earlier, like making Daredevil mayor of New York City or having him at least run for mayor against Fisk. Yeah, there are a lot of fun little storylines in the comics, too, that aren't, you know, part of the big, massive runs. They're just like four or six issues. You're in, you're out, kind of like The Man Without Fear. And, you know, I think... We can move on to Daredevil's live action appearances. There are three of them, and I know which one we will be talking about more than the others (laughs) right off the bat. But there's the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie, which has nothing to do with the MCU or, you know, the continuity or anything there. And then we have the Daredevil Netflix series and the Defenders Netflix series, which is part of their own little continuity, still not part of the MCU. I did not rewatch any of these for this podcast. I didn't feel like I needed to rewatch the Netflix series, though, because they were so ingrained in my brain. But I was like, Derek, 
I'm not rewatching the Ben Affleck movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I mean, like once, once is enough. Um, I, I mean, I joked that it didn't have anything to do with Daredevil. They tried. It was, I don't know. It just kind of feels like everyone involved with it, like, didn't really quite know how to make a superhero movie interesting, and they, I don't know. It's like they they dressed everyone else, like they dressed everyone up in the right costumes, and you had Daredevil and you have Elektra not played by a Greek actress and they tried. And if it introduced people to Daredevil and got people more into the character and the comics, that's great. But it's, it's not really worth watching unless you kind of want to go back and revisit what they did and see how it's done so much better in, in the Netflix show. Yeah. Technically in 1989, there was a Daredevil appearance in The Trial of the Incredible Hulk, a thing I have not seen, but I will take Wikipedia's word for it. So Yeah, I'm what is that a movie or a TV show or It's a TV movie, yeah. Oh, I'm curious about that. I always forget that time period of superhero stuff exists, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's like n- nothing happened until Blade. <laughs> 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 I, I mean you're not wrong you know, every, every you can you can trace back every single like superhero movie that's come out since then and it all no knock against batman 66 okay okay yes yes you've got well at, le- at least if you want to talk marvel because i feel like batman 1989 has oh yeah that was 89 a, a lot to a lot to do with it yes but but as as far as yeah but i as as far as taking it outside of like the the batman or the super superman like if you want to make a movie that's not based on a household superhero then the other reason why that ever happened is because blade was successful and then these companies were like oh like we can introduce new characters and not use the same ones over and over and over and over again yeah, and like you said, especially for Marvel, because DC kind of owned everything prior to that as far as like the big movies go. So they had that sort of advantage of having the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, the Keaton Batman movies, and the non-Keaton Batman movies, which... Yeah, <laughs> I liked him as a kid. That's a podcast for a different day. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. I, I will say DC was kind of like Skype. And that it had this huge lead. And then yeah. Marvel is like Zoom. And just at one point, DC fell down. And- Cannibalized it. Yep. Yep. That's an excellent pandemic reference there. <laughs> we love it. But I think if anyone wants to watch live action Daredevil, the Netflix show has to be where we suggest they start. Because Charlie Cox as Daredevil was way more compelling than I expected because I had known him from Boardwalk Empire. And I was like, there was a bit of a disconnect when he was cast. And I was like, is this going to work? And then you watch the show and you're like, this works. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah, there are, there are like, there are very few superhero characters done in either television or film that I feel like you can't you can't separate the, the the character from the actor. And like when I close my eyes and picture Daredevil, it's Charlie Cox. Like the same thing with D'Onofrio and Kingpin. Like that is, that is what it will always be ingrained in my mind. It is their face as the character. It's kind of like how everyone has their Batman. Like you said, you grew up on the Adam West one. I really like the Keaton movies, but I of course love the Dark Knight 
trilogy as well. Maybe the third movie less so, but that's kind of the general (laughs) consensus there. So you even see that with Spider-Man too, especially right now. That's like a big topic of discussion. Like who is your (laughs) Spider-Man? You like pick one. You can't like all of them, according to the internet. On this podcast, you can like all of them. That's fine. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You you just because you like one thing doesn't mean you have to poop on the rest. If it's a good thing, then I want it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think that's how a lot of us as Marvel fans felt when the Daredevil Netflix show hit. Not all of it was perfect, but there were so many things to enjoy out of it. Those hallway fight scenes. My goodness. Yeah. And... And like you watch now and it feels like so many other like either other Marvel movies or even like the the Netflix um, Marvel universe in itself, like they all copied that hallway scene. Like it, and it kind of feels now like when you sit down and you watch uh, you watch whatever random superhero film, like they're going to have a scene that is very, very similar to that that hallway scene. Um, and I, I can, I can sit down and I could watch that over and over and over again, or just like, I'm bored. I need something to watch. I'm going to go watch like the, the hallway scene on YouTube for five, 10 minutes. Yeah. It's so good. And honestly, that's why I wanted to watch the defenders, even though I wasn't super stoked on all of the Netflix characters necessarily. And I, again, I think that's a pretty common thing, but seeing just eight episodes more of Daredevil was great because I really enjoyed Daredevil and I really enjoyed Jessica Jones. So to get more of those two characters in particular, I was stoked on that. I can't say I recommend the Defenders, really, but if you want more of the characters you like out of the four main ones, you'll survive. (laughs) Yeah, if you if you go into it knowing that it's imperfect, but that it will have good moments, if nothing, for the fact, then you yeah, um, the Daredevil and Jessica Jones are by far the the best of the the, the little Netflix series, um, and then again, like Kristen Ritter is perfect for Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, you can you can watch Defenders, and you can still have a good time with it. Um, so it, it's been. My my kind of overall thoughts, like on on the Daredevil show itself, like I it it nailed it for multiple reasons. It nailed it because it Charlie Cox is Daredevil. It nailed it because like the casting across the board is perfect, and because it it got the tone. Like it the tone feels like a Daredevil comic. Like especially you sit down and like you read Born Again, and then you watch the Netflix series. Like it's it's gonna feel like it's. Um, like some some things are literally taken straight from the page but but it's it's all about that that tone and that the feeling with it as well and and with defenders um i haven't watched it for a little while but i i have a feeling that one of the reasons why it wasn't as good as it was supposed to is because when you sit down and you watch like an avengers movie like even even ultron or any of the infinity series or the first avengers like within the team everyone kind of has their own role and their own their own job and you you know caps the leader and you've got tony who wants to be the leader and he's jealous of everyone but he's got all the money and then thor is going to do his thing and you kind of you know everyone has their own job and their own role and within defenders you don't like you you kind of hope that daredevil is going to be the leader and he kind of is but everyone wants to do their own thing 
and the the fact that their the the plot was a little too convoluted and and larger in scale than I f- really feel like it needs to be because the whole like ev- every single Netflix show um, had kind of like the the small stakes of like this is mm-hmm. going to affect a neighborhood or this is going to affect like the city and if you like you move into world ending territory then it gets kind of problematic especially because if at the time it was done in the marvel cinematic universe and at a certain point it's like dude i think the avengers need to show up like this is not just something for for all of you but but that that being that being said it's it's still a lot of amazing characters together and and still worth seeing at least once yeah the defender show kind of needed to have almost this Civil War-esque episode where they just get all of the infighting out of the way and figure their th- stuff out and then yeah. move on. Who who doesn't love, like, heroes fighting each other? Like, even if it's only for a little bit, like, that's what everyone loves. And that's, that's like, that's what you geek out or you read a comic and you're like, oh, who would win, like, Thor or... Um, hulk and you present all these reasons why it's like well it would be interesting to watch like jessica and luke cage try and just smack the garbage out of each other because they've got similar powers and it's fun but the other thing the the great thing about comics is that i know that that's not the only theatrical version of defenders we'll ever get like maybe it might take 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, yeah. whenever, like it'll come back around again and they'll have a new story and they'll try it again. And hopefully it's better than the last time. Yeah. And, you know, I think with Daredevil specifically, he's such a big character in the comics, but because of the direction the MCU took, you almost forget about the legacy of this character because you're like, wait, there's this character who isn't like Captain America, Spider-Man even, or Iron Man, let's say. He's not sort of this larger-than-life presence in New York. But if you take a look at the character's history in the comics, he's an A-list character in the comics. And what Marvel ended up doing was they took a lot of characters, aside from Spider-Man, obviously, who were more, you know, B- or C-list characters even, at the time they started the MCU, and they made them A-list characters. So it'll be interesting to see how Daredevil plays a role going forward in Marvel's plan, whatever that may be, because obviously it didn't happen with the 2003 movie. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, I have I have a theory on, on what I think they're going to do, and it's going to be totally wrong, and they're going to come up with something better, But because you can't ignore the fact that, that Daredevil is based in New York you have Kate Bishop running around New York now. Um, you have Yelena doing her thing and a couple other young characters who are going to appear in the next few years. Like I would love for Daredevil to be kind of like the the guiding force or the 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 coach of the Young Avengers. Because I feel like like Young Avengers is gonna happen at some point. You don't set up all these new characters and not do Young Avengers. And like if you're wink wink cough are or aren't going to bring daredevil into the the mcu like you got to make him count and and that's that's what i i feel like um and then you throw spider-man in there too um because you know another young person running around new york fighting bad guys like make make daredevil make him the the captain america of 
of Young Avengers or or the Defenders, if you want to do another interpretation of it. Yeah, I think the thing that gave me hope that Daredevil and all of these Netflix characters, frankly, would eventually play a role going forward is the fact that they announced shows for characters like Miss Marvel and She-Hulk and even Moon Knight, in a sense, because those characters are much more grounded in comparison to Iron Man and, well, literally everyone in the MCU at this point, because they all went to space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as soon as that She-Hulk title was announced, I was like, he'll be back. You, you can't introduce one Marvel lawyer and not have the other. That's against the rules that I've made up in my head. <laughs> yeah, even if it's just an inconsequential thing, like She-Hulk walks into the courthouse, Matt walks away, I would bet a lot of money on something like that happening. Yeah, and the fact that the comics are still very focused on Daredevil too. You know, I mentioned Chip Zdarsky's run and he has this big Devil's Reign thing going on right now in the comics, which I don't know the details on that. I've just seen like the promo images for it and everything. So this character still has such a big legacy and I only imagine it's going to get even bigger because I don't know if this is necessarily the consensus, but it seemed like Daredevil was one of the top two for the Netflix shows between Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, Iron Fist, and The Defenders. It kind of seemed like to me anyway, within my circle of friends, Daredevil and Jessica Jones kind of stood out above the rest. Oh yeah, easily. And and I feel like like as much as I love Jessica Jones season one, it fell off a little in season two and then season three, I feel like was a lot of wrong decisions. Um, but like Daredevil was solid the whole way through. Like like season one, I feel like is is still my favorite, but but like one, two, and three, so awesome. And yeah, and I, I agree. Like and you don't you don't get all those other shows without Daredevil season one being so successful and, and so well done as as what it is. And you don't get people clamoring for these characters to return in a theatrical sense like unless they had done such a good job and you can find all sorts of memes online (laughs) where it's like you know i want you 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 and not you for danny rand like back in the the mcu Uh, he is he is a a special case that we don't need to discuss yeah for sure but Derek, any final thoughts on the character in general before we dive into a couple recommendations? Uh, the one thing that I feel like you can't have a discussion about Daredevil and not mention um, another group of heroes that Daredevil has directly inspired. And anyone who knows Daredevil probably knows the story about how the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles only exist because of Daredevil, because um you know, even though the Ninja Turtles weren't created by Marvel, it is heavily hinted at the same accident that uh, causes this mysterious ooze to get into Matt's system also falls down in the sewers on top of four turtles. Um, and thus the Teenage Mutant, Mutant Ninja Turtles are born. Like that's that's always a cool fact and makes me happy. And if anyone didn't know that, now you know there wouldn't be Ninja Turtles without Daredevil. And, and that's um, awesome. I didn't know that. Oh, no way. I had no idea. (laughs) Yeah. Also, real quick, sincerest apologies to The Punisher, which is also a Netflix show. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, that's okay. The world has ruined Punisher. Punisher is great. But the 
the world doesn't always interpret yeah. it the right way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially because Punisher features heavily in season three, Daredevil. Season it's two, two or three. three. Yeah, one of the two. <laughs> one of the two. Daredevil has been awesome for me. Um, I'm I'm really big into cosplay. Um, I'm in a charity group and we do a lot of hospital visits and I've gotten to go to Marvel premieres dressed up as characters. I mainly do Spider-Man because I'm not a very big dude and Spider-Man spandex is probably like the most comfortable thing to cosplay as. Um, I also do Hawkeye, but um, it all started for me wanting to do Daredevil. Disneyland used to have these races that they did a few times throughout the year that people like people would dress up for and it'd be like a 5k or a 10k or a half marathon all around the streets of Anaheim. And the first one I did was a superhero uh, race. I think it was a 10k. And I did uh, Daredevil from season one. I did his black outfit. So I had um, like the black pants, the black shirt, um, a little bit of kind of like the rope tied around my hands. Um, and then I was able to put together like a black mesh mask that I could still see through. Um, and like that experience launched like all these things and all these cosplays and all these different things that I've now spent hours and hours and hours and hours of my life doing over the, in the last few years. And, and that's awesome because that, that first season of Daredevil inspired me to start to like dress up as superheroes. And now it's something I do all the time. And then just f- for, for anyone who is kind of a little tired of every single superhero story having to do with the entire world ending or someone's trying to blow something up, um, like, like Daredevil is for you. Daredevil is that kind of like, he just wants to protect his neighborhood and he wants to take out the crime organizations. His sense of humor is hilarious. He, he has a lot of those same little quips that Spider-Man does, but he's an adult. And so they <laughs> kind of, they mature a little better. Um, and that's, that's another thing about his character that I feel like is very underrated that let, that all these people who get to write for Daredevil, there's, there's a lot of, um, humor in it. It's not always at the forefront, but it's it's great because he's a. I mean, he's not a lawyer for nothing. He's a. He's a. On top of being a superhero, he's also a crazy intelligent person who can make lots of um, comments about people that don't always um, on the surface look like insults, but they're insults. <laughs> and sometimes he's just sort of in his own head saying these things, so he's not even saying them out loud to anyone <laughs> it's just him walking down the street thinking about this thing and you're like this is way funnier than it has any right to be from a lawyer <laughs> yes yes yeah i totally agree <laughs> yeah well derek let's hit a couple quick recommendations here mine is actually pretty fitting with our little spider-man talk during this too because i am going to recommend daredevil slash spider-man which is only four issues it's a quick little series they go after kingpin in this one and try to actually figure out who else is going after kingpin (laughs) so (laughs) it's just a fun little story and it's so nice to see those two characters together because again it's acknowledging hey we're all in new york kind of thing and yeah the coloring on this, the red from both of their suits just pops off the page so well in comparison to sort of not necessarily the drab background of New York. But, you know, if you've been to New York, there's a lot of like brick and cement buildings and stone buildings and 
they're kind of all the same color. everywhere. <laughs> yes, also that. So that's my recommendation. Derek, I believe you also have a Spider-Man related recommendation. Yes. Um, so there, there's a small run where Spider-Man loses his eyesight. And he goes to all these people for help, and one of which is is Daredevil, and and Daredevil kind of tries to. There's there's a particular scene where he's trying to teach Spider Man how to web sling without having uh, his vision and kind of trusting his instincts and basically doing everything that that Daredevil was. Um, and that's just I I love that because Spider Man and Daredevil are my two favorite superheroes um and and they they do have a few team-ups because as you mentioned they're in new york they're going to run into each other eventually um i did not write it down earlier when you told me which run that is so i'm going to guess that you still have it the spectacular spider-man number 27 that one yes or you can be like me and you can just buy like the multiple volumes of (laughs) daredevil trade paperbacks from over the course of of time because Everyone has their own friendly neighborhood comic store. And if you walk in, you'd be like, I want to read more about this character, then they will be amazing. And they will give you tons of recommendations. Yeah. And Marvel puts out these massive collections. I believe they actually call them epic collections. And you can either get, like you said, paperback or the probably heavier hardcovers. And they're just inches thick. (laughs) Absolutely. They might not be the most comfortable thing to read sitting on the couch or something, but they'll give you a lot of comics for the price. And, you know, as Derek knows, I'm a huge proponent of Marvel Unlimited because Mm -hmm. I'm out of shelf space. (laughs) Almost. I made more shelf space magically up here. but, (laughs) But I don't need to fill it all up right away. But Marvel Unlimited... When I first signed up for it had, I think they were toting just over 18,000 comics, and now it's over 28,000 comics. So in the last five to seven years, however long I've had it, they've added 10,000 more comics. So (laughs) there's sure to be plenty of Daredevil here, and they're adding stuff every single week. So like Derek said, go to your comic book store or grab Marvel Unlimited if you're a digital person and read some Daredevil. Yeah, and if if you've if you've never seen Daredevil on Netflix, watch season one. If you like it, Daredevil's your new favorite character. If you don't, then it might not be for you. But but it is it is, it will put on a plate for you. Like this is everything that Daredevil's about. Um, and and it's it's you don't have to leave your home or your couch or anywhere to do it. Yeah, that is always a plus, especially lately. <laughs> Yes, yes. Um, in the next couple of years, Daredevil might become a real big thing. So you want to get in on the ground floor. Yeah. Derek, thank you so much for joining me to talk about Daredevil. This was a blast. It was definitely a big experiment on my part. So thank you for bearing with me. <laughs> yeah, this was this is awesome. This is a lot of fun. And I enjoy um, just spewing out information about these characters and these stories that I love. Yeah, well, you will more than likely be back on this podcast at some point to talk about some other character. Yay! I would be very happy to. 